0: The Gerontological Society of America, Advancing Innovation in Aging. GSA on Aging. I'm Howard Degenholtz, social media editor of The Gerontologist, a publication of The Gerontological Society of America. I spoke with Shabnan Hagzari, PhD, about her paper, Can Automated Vehicles Be Useful to People Living with Dementia? The Perspective of Care Partners of People Living with Dementia. This paper was selected as Editor's Choice in the Gerontologist and was completed as part of uh, Dr. Hagzari's doctoral dissertation in Biomedical Engineering at the University of Toronto. She was also a postdoctoral fellow at the Kite Center at the Toronto Rehab Institute in Toronto University. Kite stands for Knowledge, Innovation, Talent, and everywhere. She's currently an artificial intelligence consultant at the Institut National de Santé Publique de Quebec. This paper really was a lot of fun to read and had a really great conversation with Shabnan. And the bottom line is that it's not the Jetsons. Shabnan, you had a, a recent paper in The Gerontologist about automatic vehicles, automated vehicles. And I thought it was really interesting. And I wanted to talk to you about this paper and your broader research program.
1: Absolutely. So to start off, thank you so much for your interest and for having me. I started this research project Um, at the same time when I started my uh, PhD at the University of Toronto. And the reason why I got interested in this area in particular, it comes from my general interest in using artificial intelligence and the tools that can be designed by artificial intelligence. In this case, namely automated vehicles or lack of a better word for good. That would include to increase health, safety, and using it to help individuals who have a certain living with certain impairments or deficits to be able to a more healthy, safer lives
0: all around. So was this part of your dissertation?
1: Yes, it it actually was. Yeah. The entire dissertation was around adapting automated vehicles as assistive technologies for older adults living with and without dementia.
0: So you said adapting automated vehicles. So does that mean that off the shelf, they might not be appropriate for older adults?
1: That's a great question because our hypothesis was that we went to this research project. And when I say we, of course, there's a uh, there's an entire team behind this project, as you can see on the publication itself as well. We went to this area project, uh, not knowing really whether or not the automated vehicles that are currently designed, some of them available on the market, are compatible with the abilities of older adults uh, living with or without dementia. So we went in, we wanted to ask that question, wanted to know, first of all, whether the answer to your question is a yes or no. And our research showed that at least to uh, to some extent, there there is that incompatibility still, because these vehicles have been designed with general healthy populations in mind and not really focused on the specific requirements of population demographic.
0: That was my impression as I read your article that I started with the idea, I read the title and I thought about it and I've ridden in Tesla's with the autopilot mode and I have older parents talk about that later and in one of the very first episodes of the podcast, we talked about, interviewed somebody about driving cessation and mm-hmm. thinking about driving cessation. And and I thought, wow, this is a great technology. Like This will improve transportation for older adults. And as I got into the paper, I thought, well, maybe not. Maybe there's some challenges here that have not been addressed. And maybe you can talk a little bit about it and i think about it there's two buckets here one is the technology but then the other is the older adult or person with dementia themselves might not be able to use this kind of technology as easily as we might think so uh, can uh, tell us what you what you found in that regard
1: Absolutely. So to start from your point, that is absolutely correct. Driving cessation among older adults in general, but in particular among individuals living with dementia, is a big problem, as you noted. has been times and times brought up. I think another very good article in Gerontologists by Estesciolis et al. shed light on this. And this is no, really no wonder that when we hear about automated vehicles, there is this excitement that has been generated. Oh, wow, this seems to be the perfect solution. And if the car can drive itself, then what is the problem? Like older adults can, can continue to drive longer. But if I were to compartmentalize the the problem that I would like to describe in terms of the incompatibility of the current designs of automated vehicles and individuals living with dementia. The problem is, as you noted, it's the technology design itself where there are, uh, we can delve into that further, but there are different aspects there are different types of automated vehicles and whether or not each of them can accommodate uh, older adults living with dementia is a big question and then we move on and see the problems in adaptation and the marketing of these vehicles where we time and time again hear that oh automated vehicles what means that these vehicles can drive all by themselves everywhere but as you noted, you've driven a test line. That's not the case. Mm-mm. So, if we were to have an older adult living with dementia whose driving is restricted with usual cars, then we we are essentially just adding more unknowns to this very big problem of driving cessation. So, imagine how do we go about licensing and testing these individuals? So, it just becomes exponentially a bigger problem. And what we really tried to do was to start this conversation and say, mm-hmm. look, this compatibility incompatibilities is there and we need to be testing and talking about and thinking about this sooner rather than later. So this is the intent uh, of very much the article.
0: So let's back up and talk about what does this look like? Automated vehicles, use of them look like for people maybe at early stages of dementia or disability, Before we get to sort of absolutely can't operate a vehicle, but people that are on that boundary where driving maybe is something that they should not be doing or not be doing alone, but also they have transportation needs. So whether it's practical and fundamental, like getting to the grocery store or even just to go to the park or to a baseball game, giving up driving in our society is a real loss of autonomy. So What's your sense from doing this research of people on that boundary, that sort of like early stage of maybe, you know, my uncle shouldn't be driving because he completely knocked the side view mirror off the car and didn't quite quite notice. So is technology gonna help there or is it gonna create new challenges and new dangers?
1: That's a very good question. And if I may, I'm gonna preface this by pointing out that when we talk about transportation, we are concerned about driving from point A to point B, but also how that individual, when they arrive in their destination, can park the car, navigate to their doctor's appointment and whatnot. And to your point about individual, individual living in, with early stages of dementia, probably the, the focus and the concern would shift more to the driving aspect itself because the the concerns about them being able to navigate when they arrive at their destination is not as probably in most cases as uh, as big of a concern. So when we talk about the driving in and of itself with an automated vehicle, again, I would like to branch it out here and say, when we talk about automated vehicle, this is an umbrella term, where in in this vehicle, uh, the control of the driving tasks, such as, braking, accelerating, it can be shared between the automation and the individual. And in this case, if we want to delve a bit deeper, I think it has been pointed out in our research as well that this type of, if you will, assistive automated vehicles can potentially be useful for individuals living with early stages of dementia. But I'm going to put a big caveat on this to say that this is yet to be tested. And in fact, it's one of the future projects of our team but the second aspect of it is an ongoing project of our team is about the sharing of the control with the automation automated vehicle where it's not about sharing the responsibility but sharing the time sharing of control so going to have the control going back and forth and Mm -hmm. that brings about another again challenge of the task of taking over driving you know activating the automation so it's another whole realm
0: yeah, that has a lot of real-time decision-making, manual dexterity, executive functioning, recognizing that this is a dangerous situation. And then also, I mean, recognizing that, okay, the technology is not working right now. And that's a pretty common experience among the Tesla drivers. So that should make us very cautious about putting somebody with executive function limitations behind the wheel. Let's back up. To be fair, they're already behind the wheel. So the question is, does this technology make it safer? But then I think what you're saying is, yeah, maybe, but relying on it has a new form of risk.
1: Absolutely. And to, again, emphasize when we're talking about, as you're more than familiar with on this compared to myself, is that when we're talking about cognitive decline or even dementia again we're talking about it's an umbrella term right we're talking about a wide variety of declines that can happen not only just the stages but uh, whether or not the individual is still is capable of forming the motor tasks or have the uh, more dexterity yeah. as you noted and that would play out with a different type of technology in automated vehicles that are coming out from different companies So Hmm. not to complicate the matter, but uh, (laughs) the the article really meant we we really tried to just like to be the whistleblower of saying, look, this is not the perfect solution. In fact, there needs to be more research done and we need to be looking at this very carefully if we want to have um, our older adults uh, driving safely in automated vehicles.
0: So as I read the article, there's what formed in my mind was the science fiction future where we have vehicles that don't have a steering wheel where you maybe sit on a bench almost like a bus and it knows where you need to go and it takes you there. And Mm -hmm. part of me was thinking, well, Oh, there's so, I have so many questions about this. Like one, it's a wonderful future, but you can't just introduce that to an 85 year old person with dementia because they just wouldn't know what to do in that type of vehicle. And two, I think it made the caregiver interviews make it clear that sending them off alone is problematic, just from the point of view of sitting in the vehicle, but also getting like what happens when they get to their destination, and and we talk about that in transportation as a, a through the door assistance. So door to door assistance, you know, brings you to the curb, and then the and then you get out of the vehicle, and that's kind of like a taxi. Ride, but through the door means getting that person actually out of the vehicle onto the sidewalk and to their destination successfully. So, this type of technology doesn't do anything about the latter. And there might be significant problems with achieving the former. So, I'm curious how far do we need to go in terms of iterating this type of technology to be a transportation solution for people?
1: That's a great question and great points. And I'll start answering it by by saying iterations may be one way to go in terms of a technology design, but also the particular infrastructure that we allow these vehicles to be used by older adults or people living with dementia may also be a contributing factor. And to that end, if you're talking science fiction, a more tangible reality or story would be to use automated vehicles in geographically limited areas where, for instance, you are probably familiar with a city in Netherlands, which is designed for individuals living with dementia and individuals who even work in grocery stores and whatnot. They're all trained to be able to help these individuals, for instance, by by providing them through the door assistance. Yeah. I'm thinking and, about
0: yeah. also like the villages in exactly. Florida, which is your know, retirement community, and everybody gets around in golf carts. So you could replace those golf carts with some type of automation. It's low speed and it's on a closed community, right?
1: Absolutely. So that would alleviate some of the concerns around the safety of the technology itself about whether or not individuals have the backup through the door assistance that they may need. But also another point that you brought up, and it's, as I'm aware, it's been an active point of research. In, In fact, I think coming out of University of Florida, is the acceptability of the automation in general by older mm-hmm. adults, older adults living with dementia? Because while we can ensure that, okay, these vehicles are being used in these villages and all in all, the safety has been guaranteed, but whether or not the individuals, especially living with in later stages of dementia, will be able to not react and accept this automation driving for them. Again, that is still a big question that I haven't seen an answer to yet.
0: Really fascinating, really fascinating challenges. And I think the technology is coming. So I think the opportunity for research is, and the importance of research, I think is really clear. Shana, tell me what you're working on now and where's your research program going?
1: So I have to say that I no longer lead the program and I have to give credit where it's due. But I'm still involved in the research program where it's headed is testing individuals living with dementia in uh, different stages in a driving simulator that we have at Toronto. We have where we provide them with a safe environment where they can be exposed to a simulated version of how we would be to drive in an automated vehicle. Mm. And we uh, not only are able to collect data on how well they can perform. For instance, that time sharing task that I uh, alluded to before. And also we can ask some questions about their acceptance and how they would like to see the design change. This is where the the next stage of the program is going.
0: There was the one anecdote in the article about having a steering wheel that was not functional so that the person could feel like they were driving. And I thought, on my first thought was, yeah, well, that makes sense. But then it also seemed like if if I were driving in the lane next to an older adult that was just playing with the steering wheel, it might be very unsettling. Like other drivers don't know that you're in a fully automated mode. So Absolutely. yeah. So I, I so what do you do? Like can you design the vehicle so that the person with dementia is maybe in the back seat, but maybe they have controls in the back seat? I don't know. So
1: that that is a great question because to add to that complexity that you just noted, there is that ethical question of how much control do we give or restrict from the individuals living with dementia. And to that note, I think there are a comments from individuals living with dementia, I believe, that they do prefer to sit in the back seat to have that comfort. It's more familiar to have Mm -hmm. somebody, a virtual driver, drive Mm -hmm. for you. But if if you imagine that, yeah, if you imagine being alone, I put myself in the shoes of individuals. I'm sitting in the car, and because I'm living with dementia, my abilities to intervene with the controlling of the car has been restricted. Mm -hmm. And is that to what extent that is ethical? Like what control do I have? Or is there a need for somebody else, a care partner, to have that control virtually somewhere else? Because this happens. Somebody may need to get out of car sooner than their destination, their Mm program destination. So all this questions becomes more complicated, I do believe, as these stages of dementia may progress and as we think more about it.
0: So are you building... These types of things in the lab, like different types of vehicles with different arrangements of controls in the front seat and the back seat?
1: So we do have uh, the simulator that we have access to and we use it for our studies. It's an actual car. It's an Audi Mm with the back seat and the front seat and everything intact. And participants come in and they can sit wherever they would like. So uh-huh. in, in short, to answer your question, that we're not building a technology itself. We are building sure. the prototypes that can be used in the study so that we, they get, just get a feel of how they can interact with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And are you putting people with dementia in these vehicles?
1: Yes, yes. That is putting them in the driver's seat, though, in the, the upcoming, the current ongoing study.
0: Oh, okay. That's really interesting. And how is that working? I mean, are they? I'm I'm assuming you're using kind of working with people who have mild or early stage.
1: Yeah. So mild cognitive impairment and mild dementia. And to answer your question, that is a question for myself as well, because uh, as I mentioned, very like it's it's still on the go. We are recruiting and having people screen, Uh but it hasn't been launched yet. So
0: okay. uh, Uh, Do you have occupational therapy involved in your uh, in your team?
1: we had the the protocols read by an occupational therapist so that they approve of it but actually no i i wish we did but no at this stage we do not
0: yeah it just occurs to me that having somebody that's trained to understand how people interact with the built environment interact with equipment and automobiles and have experience with adaptive technology might have some insight just by observing some of your study participants.
1: Yeah, that's so. a that's a great point. And to that, to to that we the reason we do not have it is the restrictions of safety as to and the number of people we have in the car at a time. Sure. But what we are considering is to collect the videos of the individual yes. driving and provide yes. that to occupational therapists who can. Then provide us, yeah, with feedback as to how to do Yeah, that's yeah. what I was.
0: That's what I was thinking would be a good uh, solution. I'm yeah. wondering also, have you considered doing observational research on people living with mild dementia or mild cognitive impairment and are currently using some of this? technology in the real world? Because it's not, I mean, obviously not the fully automated vehicles, but there's, you know, adaptive cruise control and there's blind spot monitoring. There's so much out there. I wonder if any of the research has done that in a descriptive way.
1: Uh, unfortunately, not in in the programs that I've been involved with. However, there is a program between our university, our lab, and I believe Washington, St. Louis, where they looked at uh, normative driving data and Uh, It included individuals living with dementia and included vehicles that have some degree of automation in it. Mm -hmm. So I regret to tell you that I do not have answers as to how that Uh helps, but I I am aware that that study is currently being conducted.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. So you're currently at the Institute for Biomedical Engineering, and did you also train in the same place?
1: Yes, yeah, so I actually currently am doing a, yeah, a consultancy slash a postdoc at Public Health of Quebec, though. I finished my PhD last year at uh, University of Toronto Institute of Biomedical Engineering, where, yes, I did my studies and research. And this.
0: Excellent. And then when you finish the postdoc, will you have a faculty role?
1: Still to be decided. We'll see. <laughs> <Still>. <laughs> okay. uh, as you probably are aware, a very tough pro process, but I'm in the midst of it.
0: Excellent. Well, this was really great. It was very nice talking to you. I think your research is fascinating and very timely.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it's always a pleasure talking to uh, like-minded academics. So thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about The Gerontologist and to read its latest articles, visit the website at www.geron.org. The Gerontological Society of America was founded in 1945 to promote the scientific study of aging, to encourage exchanges among researchers and practitioners from the various disciplines related to gerontology, and to foster the use of gerontological research in forming public policy.